Hello, sisters. I have a teaching that I had taught about four years ago from the book of Ruth that I'll be sharing with you on this podcast. It is a seven-part series, and we'll be going verse by verse through the book of Ruth. So grab your Bible or just listen while you're doing your daily tasks. Either way, the Word of God is going to get into you today. God bless you. Hey family, welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn His Word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life, and I knew His Word was the answer. So finally one day, I got fed up with living in defeat. And I became determined to find the Jesus of Scripture. I discovered true faith in Christ and had to unlearn much of what I had been taught. With God's Word and His Spirit, I have been free from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years. And I have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses. God's Word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's Word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning His Word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. I think that's who she was. And I think that's what the daughter-in-law saw. I really do. And so they says in verse 10, and they said to her, surely we will return with you and your people in 11. But Naomi said, turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb? That you may have your husbands because it was custom that you if um one brother died if the other brother was single then he would marry the wife and so on but she's saying man i'm too old i can't get remarried and have more kids there's nothing i have nothing for you is what she's saying there's nothing left for you here turn back my daughters go for i'm too old to have a husband if i should say i have hope if i should have a husband tonight and should bear sons would you wait for them would you wait for them to grow old until they were grown? Verse 13, would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Because of her husband's sin, she feels like the hand of the Lord has gone out against her. She feels cursed by God. I don't know why she felt that way. Maybe she didn't speak up when he said, we're going to Moab. I don't know. I can't presume to know, but this is how she felt. She just felt like the Lord's hand was against her. But, oh, I can't wait till we get towards the end of this book because we're going to see the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, and it's going to be beautiful. Then they lifted up their voices, and they wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law. 
But Ruth clung to her and she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. At the end of the day, Ophrah thought of it and thought, mm, I really don't want that hard life. I don't want what it's going to cost me. I love you, Naomi, and I'm really grateful for everything you've done. You've showed me a lot, but I don't actually want your God. I want to go back to the Jezebels. I want to go back to that. I want to have, I want to live on this earth with pleasure. I want my husband. I want children. And I want this life over here. It's just more comfortable. It's a more comfortable life. In her mind, it's not going to be a more comfortable eternity, but it's going to be a more comfortable life. And so people can see the Jesus in us, you guys, and really admire that about us and admire what we do but they don't necessarily want what we have because sin just means too much to them. They want to stay there in that place. Right. They don't want to go with us where they're going to have to count the cost because Jesus says, count the cost of following me. I always find it very interesting that in all the gospels, whenever someone comes up to him and basically wants salvation, he almost talks them out of it. You don't want to follow me. I don't even have a house to live in. Foxes have homes. I don't. You don't want to follow me. You don't want to follow me. I'm going to a cross. You can't go where I'm going. You ain't going to be able to bear it. You don't want to follow. Go bury your dead first. Go, you don't want to follow me. He's always talking them out of following him. Give up everything you own, rich man. Sell it all. Then you can follow me. You know, knowing he's always making it like, because Christ knew what it meant to follow him. He knew where he was going. He knew it was going to cost them death. Ultimately, it cost every single one of the apostles death other than John, but it did cause him isolation, right? We know, read the Fox's Book of Martyrs through the, through the past 2,000 plus years and all the right. people, it cost them their lives. Horrific deaths. It's still causing, costing Christians almost 400,000 a year are dying for the gospel of Jesus Christ in other countries right now. The gospel's never been health, wealth, and prosperity. It's always been death, dying crucifixion and ultimately eternal life and it doesn't mean you everyone who pre believes in jesus ultimately dies a martyr's death but we die to ourselves we die to ourselves right and jesus says it may cost you your mothers your brothers your sisters your best friends it may cost you everything to follow me and as a matter of fact jesus says you can't even be my disciple unless you're willing to give up everything you own willing doesn't mean god's going to ask everything of you but he may, he may call you to Africa in a tribe that's never heard of Jesus. I mean, we know of missionaries that were called to places like that and they died within five days of being there. But then all of a sudden the gospel got preached and it saved an entire, an entire area or an entire nation by his martyr's blood. Yeah, he got five days. I'm thinking of Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elliot's husband. So anyway, so then we're going to have Ruth's response. So Ophra goes back. She says, oh, I want to go back. That's where I feel comfortable. Here's Ruth. Man, what a redemptive work God has for her. He must have did a work in her heart. Naomi must have been a great inspiration that she really wanted to go and serve that God, the right God, the real God, the one true God of Israel. Entreat me not to leave you. Here's her prayer. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. Ruth's getting ready to say, I am willing to sacrifice everything for you, your God, and your people. That's what, that's what our heart needs to be. Jesus, I'm willing to sacrifice everything for you first, and then your people, and then the lost and dying out there. 
She says, entreat me to go back. For wherever you go, I'll go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. She was willing to repent of the idols, repent of a sexually immoral life, repent of her ancestry and go and serve the one true God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. This could almost be like wedding vows. Seriously, it really, it really could. Because it's almost, it is wedding vows between us and our Savior. He's our bridegroom and we're his bride. I'll go where you go, Jesus. Send me. I'll die where you tell me to die. I'll do what you tell me to do. I just want you and your people and your commission. That should be the heart of us as Christians. And here's the heart of Ruth, a Moabite woman who knew nothing of God, nothing of those people except for what Naomi must have shown her. Naomi must have given her the stories of the Exodus and the stories of Joseph and the story she must have. She, and then, but she didn't just give the stories, she lived it. And Ruth said, I know this life is likely going to be a lot harder. In her mind, it's going to be a lot harder. And it does get hard for a minute. It's going to be a lot harder. But that's so much worth so much more than this idolatry over here, than these false gods that can do nothing for me over here. And isn't that our walk with Jesus? Or at least it should be. Man, this life of idolatry I used to live, this life of drugs, alcohol, sex, outside of marriage, partying, whatever you were involved in, whatever sins had you gripped, this might be a little hard over here and I'm gonna have to make some hard decisions and I might lose some things, but this is way better than any of this ever was. That should be our heart. And it ultimately, we're not to be earthly minded because this isn't our home anyway. No matter on both sides of the spectrum, this is gonna be what's amazing is heaven. Living eternally with my God on streets of gold and mansions with Jesus Christ laying crowns at his feet saying, holy, holy, holy for eternity in a place where there's no more tears, there's no more pain and there's no more sorrow. And it, actually, I can't see, mine can't comprehend what Jesus is actually preparing for us up there. It's gonna be way better than we could ever imagine. It's gonna be way more. So letting go of the old life, embracing the new life that will have trials and tribulations, but we have a God on our side now who promises to never leave us or forsake us. But then ultimately, eternal life with God forever. That's the hope that should lie within us. That's that incorruptible heart that lies within us now. So when she saw that she was, not, that she was determined to go, she just stopped speaking. Naomi gave up and said, okay, she wants this. She wants this. Have you ever met a, a new Christian who really wants it? Some of you are sitting here right now. You're like clinging to me. Okay, I'll do whatever you want. Just tell me what to do. You know what I mean? Like you're just like, ah, oh, we'll do whatever you tell us to do. Well, we'll, I only tell you what the Bible tells you to do. But you know what I mean? Like you just get that radicalness about you. Like, okay, okay, fine. I'll stop doing that. Okay, fine. Yes, okay, I'm not doing, I'm not drinking anymore. No, okay, I'm not gonna do it. Oh, all right. I'm not having sex outside of marriage anymore. You, you, no, I just want Jesus. You're right. My flesh says this, but I just want Jesus because you get it. 
There's just this transformed work. So when she saw, okay, I just, verse 19. Now the two of them went until they, became, they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? They were so excited to see their friend come back. Now remember, Naomi's name means pleasant one. So she was very pleasant to be around. She was, like I said, she was probably very much, very much like I had described. Just a lovely, quiet, spirited, modest, hardworking Jewish woman who just loved God. And she was probably very pleasant to be around. We've met people like that. They're just really pleasant to be around. You feel good when you're around them. You feel uplifted. You see the Jesus in them. You feel the Jesus in them. And they're just pleasant to be around. And so they were excited to have her come back. Verse 20, but she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for Mara now means bitterness. She just felt God's bitterness all over her, anger or judgment. She said, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. She's lost everything. There's only one place to go back when you lose everything. There's only one person you can go back to when you lose everything. She says, I went out full. I had a husband and two sons. I went out so full. And then the Lord has brought me back home again, empty. This literally is the disobedient backslider, the prodigal son, the one who has tasted God, who knows of God, chooses to go out and sin against God. And then they get all the, consequence of the consequences of that sin. And praise God, they come back to God and truly get saved and set free. But there's consequences to our sin. God is a redeemer. Jesus is a reconciler. But to be, we are naive to think that our sin does not have consequences. Again, God's not up there with a baseball bat just waiting to hit this on the head as soon as we make a mistake that's that his grace and mercy is so deep and so wide that no one can comprehend it he's up there with so much grace and mercy in us but at the end of the day we have to recognize that sin does have consequence and i remember when i taught this years ago i was ahead of women's ministry this was many many moons ago and i was teaching this principle and one of the girls looked at me she was zealous and kind of naive but she said no once you get saved that's it there's no consequence from sin anymore god redeems and heals and fixes it all. And I said, tell that to the person that has HIV, that in their sin, got HIV. Can God heal them? Yes. Oh, I believe my God's a healer and does miraculous healings every day, but he's not obligated to, and most of the time he doesn't. So what we have to do is take the consequences of our sin praise God for the redemptive work. We will not be held accountable for it on judgment day. And then God says, to those who love me, I'll turn it around and make it for my glory. Our mess becomes a message. Our test becomes a testimony. The sin we once were engaged in and even the consequences we may still have from it can now become what helps other people, what sets other people free, what maybe helps preserve other people from making the same mistakes. Some of you women in here are constantly preaching to the singles in here about not being equally unyoked, right? You still have that consequence from making that decision before salvation. You're still dealing with that consequence, but now it's become something that you are being refined through it. God's using it now to refine you for his glory, but it's also your testimony to hopefully save some of these young people from making the same mistake.
And that's how God gets the glory. Bree, you go out and you marry a godly husband and you guys have godly children and you've changed your generation, you've changed your lineage up to a thousand years. What glory. And you'll get a crown for that too. You'll get a gem for helping others now not make the same mistakes as we did. Just like, you know, and I wrestle. I mean, I still wrestle with things I did in my past. Oh, Lord, I wish I'd have never done that against you. I'm so sorry. I ever, oh, gosh, you know, so much time wasted. But I know, but I, but I trust in his sovereignty. And I don't dwell in that. But when the devil reminds me sometimes, it's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, just help me redeem it, God. Just give me the time now. Let me long enough to just earn enough crowns to lay your feet now. But she says, I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabites, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And then we'll go into chapter 2 next time, but... So in barley harvest was literally the first fruits, usually done around April or May, and the first fruits is literally a type or shadow of Jesus Christ as our first fruits, our first resurrection. And so I hope that blessed you guys. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor if you would. Head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys. Until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work grace and peace I leave with you until next time.